the Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Impatiently waiting to see over the next hour if Kyle Lowry will in fact be a Raptor much longer. Um, If you're not from Toronto, maybe this doesn't matter to you as much, but you have to understand that we're watching the best player in franchise history potentially walk out the door in the next 60 minutes, so it's sort of a big deal for us. And, you know, I think there'll be a lot of discussion around that. We're going to save that a little bit to the end of the show, but it's kind of sad and it kind of hurts. Even if it doesn't happen, it kind of hurts because you know it's got to, right? You know it's it should happen for the future of the franchise. It needs to happen. But damn, tough to lose Kyle Lowry. Hard to believe he's already 35 years old, too. Like just, I can't believe that. Yeah, I can't that believe nuts? that. And that's just, it's just crazy. So Nine years ago, I think he joined the Raps. Wasn't Long that time. the Bargnani deal? Or no, was that no. somebody else? No, no. Oh, he almost got traded to the Knicks. What's, that's what it was with Kyle, right? It was early on. I saw there are people doing like different versions of the trade tree. And today's uh, Norman Powell deal is connected to the Raptors trading Gravis Vasquez. Wow. <laughs> remember that? Um, yeah, I do. I remember, remember he him? was pretty popular for a hot minute in Toronto. He was good for a hot minute in Toronto. He was. He was. Um, and then not. So, you know, it's a shame that we're waiting on this Raptors news because there's nothing to talk about in hockey. <laughs> nothing nothing at, all. at all. Nothing that set the entire sport on fire, basically. Dude, this is a huge friggin' story. Well, we can't get to it now because we need to get to who wore the crown. Oh, nice. Who's it brought to you by, Jesse? Uh, give me one second to pull up the uh, March. By the way, if you, if you don't know what Steve's talking about, it's Tim Peel. Tim Peel is what Steve is talking about. That's the answer to the big question. Mm. Uh, today's real crown should go to uh, Gary Forbes, who was traded for Kyle Lowry in 2011 uh, to the Houston Rockets, who I don't Gary think he Forbes. ever ended up playing a game for them. And we got the best player in our franchise's history. So it's not wow. too bad, you know? Wow. And a future first round pick, but like I don't know who that became. But yeah, Gary Forbes. All right, and today's uh, who are the crown? Do you guys not have takes on Gary Forbes? No, I have no, nothing to no. say on Gary Forbes. <laughs> I was wow. waiting for the part where you go kidding. His name was actually no. That's like, the I guy. I don't. There are Raptors who came and went. Who I was like, ah, yeah, I couldn't tell you much about it, but I remember mm-hmm. Gary Forbes. What? I don't he, remember any of that. Nope. He's a human who existed. Yogi Stewart, my favorite. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Hubbard is our sponsor of Who Wars the Crown today. He played I, for the Raptors in 2003. <laughs> and no, sorry. <laughs> it's to celebrate his daughter Brooklyn's seventh birthday. Oh. So her birthday is April 1st, and she's the biggest Little Leaf fan in the world. Well. Happy birthday, April. And hey, listen, uh, when you want to sponsor Who Wore the Crown, the best way to get to our hearts is little kids and their birthdays. And congratulations and happy birthday to you. Uh, when you're sponsoring the crown, why not? Why not? Where Reach out to Jesse and let us know who you want to shout it out to and what donation you're making because we're getting lots and lots of those as well. And thank you so much. Steve, who do you give your crown to today? Uh, well, you know, it's fun because uh, the Leafs have not played. Uh, since our last game, so uh, no. since our last show, <laughs> last game, my brain is on such autopilot. Uh, producer Drew is giving me crap. 
because uh, we did our dang it's video yesterday and I called them hat picks, which is the opposite. That's not the same. Heaven, Steve. That's the Friday video, not the Wednesday. Um, let's give it to. Ah, I know who I'm giving it to. Austin Matthews. I'm giving it to Austin Matthews, the team's best player, leader on the ice. I know John Tavares is the captain, but he is the leader on the ice. And when Matthews is rolling, he is a true superstar in this league, the best player on the team. No disrespect to Mitch Marner. It's just goals, you know? Goals are a big thing. But more importantly, he gets the Connor McDavid treatment sometimes in that he's so good we overlook him. Mm. And someone, maybe you guys have it up, Someone sent us a list of all our crowns from this season. Yes. And Matthews <laughs> is like ninth. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give him a crown because all damn right. it, he deserves one. All right. Yeah, fine. Shout out Dylan uh, at Dylan BT 94. Who's been keeping track of our crowns. It's, it's a very reason, fun list. It's the same reason Matthews will never win a writer's voted on award. It's because he's just, it just seems like it's too easy and we never pick him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, the <sighs> heart, the heart goes, okay, well it's Connor, but who else could it be? Exactly. Sometimes they come up with a list of more than three names, which is wild. And then 2017 happens. Yeah. Um, Jesse, who would you like to give your crown to? Oh, I get to go next. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give my crown to the Raptors all women broadcast that happened Mm. last night. Yeah. Round of applause. Absolutely. I think it was uh, it's really cool to see something like that. It was um, Amy Aubert. I believe Megan McPeak, Kian Nurse, Kayla Gray, Caper Ness, and they all of them hosted the game. It was just, it's a really cool thing. I, I said it on the last show when we had the uh, all black line in first time in professional sports or professional hockey in like 50 years. When, when kids can see it, they can believe it. And having that there for all the little girls out there who love basketball, like it must have been cool to turn on the TV and be like, hey, look at all those, look at all those women up there doing the thing that I dream one day I can do. So shout out TSM for putting that on. Shout out the women who uh, were on the broadcast who made it happen. Incredible work. And uh, shout out. You can achieve it. Kayla Gray. uh, I I told this on on the air at Virgin, but she was when I when my dog escaped. Hope you guys remember that in the fall. Yes. um, She was the first person to reach out and DM me and go, what can I do? Oh, wow. Yeah, she would. And I don't I didn't. We've never met in person, but she was like instantly. What do you need? It was pretty amazing. So uh, awesome. shout out to Kayla Gray, super awesome person. I, uh, I, I do, I do love Kia Nurse's attempts at, um, like, I mean, I would absolutely do this too. In, yeah. in the situation she, uh, and if I may get that garbage out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't uh, quite Jack, but uh, she tried. It was very no, funny. It was great. It was, very no, funny. that's exactly how she should have said it. Yes. Yes. No, yes. Perfect. Perfect. That's the only way it would have worked, right? It's <laughs> so good. Uh, I want to. I want to shout out uh, a reporter named David W. Cochran for the CBC in Ottawa for today, right now, breaking that the federal government in Canada is poised to approve a seven-day quarantine with extra testing for NHL players traded from American to Canadian teams before April twelfth, um, according to a government source. That means. Ladies and gentlemen, that the 14-day quarantine that is preventing Eric Stahl to Toronto from happening <laughs> will no longer prevent Eric Stahl to Toronto from happening. So, Eric, thank you. Welcome to the Leafs. Appreciate it. 
Sorry, I'm already getting inundated with tweets. Are you done recording the podcast yet? (laughs) (laughs) We are not, thankfully. So that should change the makeup of the trade deadline a little bit. Um, And like they said, extra testing. If you test them, I I don't don't know if you test people over and over and over again. I I think eventually you're going to know one way or the other if they have it. And I think also it would help too if, um, you know, if the vaccines are available in their area, if every NHL player gets it, um, probably easier to trade you cross border. Don't you think? Uh, probably I'll, I'll just say, listen, do whatever's safe and also helps my team. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be getting the vaccine. Anyway, yes. listen, uh, Jesse, who are we shutting out again? Who was the sponsors? You know, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> it's Chris's uh, seven-year-old daughter, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Happy birthday. And thank you for listening to who wore the crown. When you're listening to who wore the crown, why not? Why not make a charitable donation or Shout out your kid, too, because that's really sweet. And happy birthday. April 1st was the birthday. Is April Fool's? Yes, it's coming up oh, on man. April that's a, that's a tough birthday to have in your early yeah. teens. <laughs> that's a tough birthday. All right. Now, um, I don't know, guys. Is there any other story to talk about other than Tim Peel? No. Not really. Uh, Anderson went on IR for a little bit officially, you know. Is, that- Is he still on it? I didn't see that. I didn't even see yeah, that. Yeah, he went on. Um, I'll pull it up here. Okay, but he's officially was, on like. Let's 10 talk day. about that. Fucked him too. <laughs> Tell me, you know, we don't need that. <laughs> oh, okay, really? No, Frederick no. Anderson out seven to ten days. There you go. Well, I, I hope it. it's. I hope it's more than that because it seems like he needs some time. I'm pretty sure about the IR retroactive cap space stuff from mm-hmm. last episode. I think that'll probably end up happening, but they're just being very cautious about it. Now, did you guys do some reading last night? Because I did some reading. Uh, I read I read a lot of stuff. Uh, my Twitter timeline was surprisingly full of some of the most horrendous takes on this particular incident that I've ever seen. Like I can't, I don't even know how to, how to fathom the way certain people who represent the game view the game and think fans want the game. Can Done. you explain what happened first? Yeah, where do we start we talk here? About- well, let's start with let's start with Tim himself, the yeah. peel ma- peel master. This is usually um, your bag, Adam. You, you well, want to okay, do this? Okay, so, so Tim Peel, Nashville-Detroit game. Useless yes. fucking game. No one cares. And <laughs> honestly, the only reason you're playing that game because... They all agree. Wanna, they all get, yeah, because you want to get traded out of the city that you're in. Let's be honest, right? Okay. So then... <laughs> so for whatever reason, you've got what, the most tenured NHL referee. The guy who knows the rules the best. The guy who knows the rules so well that he's done multiple Stanley Cup finals, which is a big deal for a ref, and he's retiring in April. This guy has been exposed to the league for decades. Yes. He was, I, he's at, at least done 2011 and 2019. Oh, okay. okay. So I know That's he's interesting. Been, been around for a while. And Tim Peel, um, well-liked, well-respected, and as they are going to break, a clip runs saying, basically, I was trying to get Nashville a penalty early. And people were like, who said that? The only people on the ice that are mic'd up, and it was clearly somebody that was, because you know the difference between a microphone like this and a, and a lav microphone on the ice. You can hear the echo. Uh, the sound isn't as full. You know. You know what an, a microphone from the ice sounds like. Well, who is it? Wyshynski tweeted both guys' names out. Which one of them was it? Well, and obviously there are people in hockey who know the game so well. They are nerds that know the difference between Tim Peel's voice and the other guy's voice. And good for you if you're one of those people. I am not because I don't care that much about Wish the referees. Wish would know because he drank in a bar with Tim Peel. Right. So there was a story there too. 
Yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay. Also, I got the audio ready whenever you want it, Adam. Can you play it? Let's go. There wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early in the- It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against much, Nashville. I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early in the- By the way, the he's from New Brunswick. And if you can't tell by the way he says fucking that guy that is a New Brunswick man. That is I have Chris. been there and that is a New Brunswick man. Now it's interesting because the the first thought is who is it? My first thought is who let that run on the air? And apparently it was a broadcast technician on the game who was testing the line. Yeah. Wanted to make sure that the referees mics would actually work through the broadcast because that's really important if they're going to have a penalty and call it. And Which what is I found something is- that's something you do all the time. You kind of you pot up things and you just check it when you're in a TV studio on a truck because everything's going so fast as an audio technician. You can sit there and you just pot up a line, be like, oh, I hear something, pot it down. You usually yeah, don't yeah. have that come to air. He thought that that they were to commercial. Had they been, this never makes the air. We never hear about it. Yeah, here, I got I got the tweets from Sean Shapiro. Uh, on the Tim Peel thing, I was curious of uh, how the clip made it onto the broadcast. Turns out an audio technician in truck was checking on ref mic and thought broadcast had already gone to commercial. Uh, this also isn't uncommon in broadcasting. Audio is checked, and sometimes the commercial space is missed by a couple seconds. Obviously, 99% of the time, no one notices or something incriminating is said. Right. <laughs> really- what did, uh, what did uh, you just say? What did I just say? Yeah, wasn't it along those lines of that tweet? <laughs> you never just get through a fucking show. <laughs> Always gotta get shit on for something. Jesus Christ. I just try to help. I'm halfway through reading it. I'm like, this is exactly what Adam and Jesse just fucking said, but I'm gonna keep saying it. Hopefully no one notices, and there it is. How long into the show are we? 10 minutes? Christ you know, alive. Jesse, what I'm confused about is why. Why why were they testing the line? <laughs> and by the way, where did Gary go to school? I just need to know. <laughs> the zoo. Let's talk some more about the zoo. Tim Peel once visited the zoo. And he pointed at a kangaroo and he said, that's a polar bear. And I said, you got that call wrong too, Tim. <laughs> now, anyway. So so here's um, here's where it gets very interesting. You know, obviously... Um, this is a mistake by a broadcast technician. It goes to air. People go, what the hell? Now, I wonder if this is the non-Twitter era. In fact, if this is the early Twitter era, before you get any sort of um, video replay that fans can, can literally strip off their television, throw on the internet, and make it go viral over and over and over again, you wonder if this local game between two nothing teams – and two markets that are not really excited about their hockey teams right now. Detroit's excited about the future, and they should be. Mm-hmm. But right now, they're not really excited about the current Red Wings, right? Yeah. I wonder. They make it tough. If this ever even sees the light of day again. And I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, there are too many people out there who are stripping these things, putting them online, and frankly, doing everybody else a service because it gives you a nice little sneak peek into how the game is called. Now, you're probably asking, if you don't know already, what happened with the referee, man? Well, it's interesting. The NHL has said Tim Peel will not ref another game again, which amounts to them giving him a four-week vacation. Was he fired? No. Will he still have a pension? Yes. 
he just will not ref another game again because they take the integrity of the game seriously, which is what Bill Daly from NHL head office, who is the second in command to Gary Bettman said. Now, you take the game seriously, if you really did, and if you really thought what he did was egregious, let's say Tim Peel, Tim Peel and he wasn't, let's say he was caught betting on the game. Then Tim Peel would be fired. Then the integrity of the game is called into question. When you make an action that causes people to doubt the integrity of the game, you get fired. The NHL is very aware of this. They clearly, through their actions, do not think that what Tim Peel was doing, it's not about what he said, because this is a public-facing move. They think, they clearly do not think that what he was doing at the time, giving Nashville the early penalty when maybe they didn't deserve it, maybe it was a weak call, they clearly don't think that that's affecting the integrity of the game despite their statement. Now, if you are to look at, and I want, I want to bring this up to you guys, and then I'm going to let you run with it, okay? Sure. This goes back to an issue that people have had with the NHL for a long period of time. And it's this evening out. You can, you can catch it. They do the even out penalties. If you've never been aware of this before, you're going to be sort of shocked by this. But it, have you ever found that oh, if your team gets a couple of penalties go their way in a row that they instantly get some weak-ass call about the next minute after their, first, their second power play ends? Whether it's or, a goal or not. It's either you get the penalty called against you or the team that keeps taking penalties continues to struggle, but the whistles are put away. Right. Now, I looked back at the last three nights of hockey. I Actually, right up until Saturday. I, I didn't look at Saturday night because there was like 12 games and I didn't have the time to do the research. But I wanted to see how many games finished tied in penalties or within one penalty of each other. I found three total that were not. Holy shit. Out of how many? Uh, well, let's count, shall couple, we? A couple dozen. So here we go. Last night, penalty stack up is this. Flames and Sens, 3-3. The Ducks and Wild are 7-2. But if you pull out the fighting and instigators, it's 2-1. I'm talking about in-game penalties here. I'm not talking about extra added 10-minute misconduct bullshit. That's not right. a penalty, right? It's different. Right. Pens and Sabres, 5-3. Jets and Vancouver, 3-3. Kings and San Jose, 3-2. Previous night, the Tim Peel night. Jersey and Philadelphia, 4-3. Florida and Chicago, 3-2. Detroit, Nashville, Tim Peel game, 4-3. Dallas, Tampa, 4-3. Phoenix, Colorado, 4-3. You noticing a trend here? Yeah. Monday night. Sabres Rangers, 4-3. Jackets Canes, 3-2. Flames Sens, 2-1. Isles Flyers, 2-1. Wild Ducks, 3-3. Colorado Phoenix, 3-2. Vancouver Winnipeg, 1-1. Vegas, St. Louis, 3-2. And San Jose LA Kings, 6-3, which is rare. See how rare that is? And yes. I just and for shits and giggles, let's do four more on Sunday night. Penn's Jersey. 2-2, Tampa Bay, Florida, 7-6. Vegas and LA, 5-3. Dallas and Nashville, 2-2. The NHL has pushed its referees for years to call even amounts of penalties or within reasonable even amounts for the entire time. Rather than the calling their own rule book, you have to understand, 
that there are teams with different characteristics. We, we can all identify, say, the Boston Bruins. I would even say Tampa Bay with Blake Coleman and some of the guys they have and Pat Maroon, you know, guys that maybe are more prone to taking penalties than the average team. But the NHL will even out the penalties between the teams that are more likely to take them and the teams that are least likely to take them just because they want to be seen as fair. When in actual fact, that's the most unfair thing you can do. It's inaccurate. It and benefits a certain team. And you're exactly, and you're not calling your own rule book. And that's why tougher teams like Boston, you don't have to like this. And Boston Bruins fans, you should love this. It affects your team positively because you will take some penalties, but you'll also get a lot of penalties that just won't be called because they're trying to play the game even. Boston's smart. They knew that and they built a team like that. And if you, if you want to debate me on this, please keep going. You want to go through all 14 games on Saturday night, the previous Friday where there was like six, keep going. You can go back years. The, Do you guys the, want to bring uh, Joe into this conversation? Joe, you, yes, absolutely. Uh, I forgot he was going to be on the show. Well, here, we got to set it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, because so this goes back so far. And there's a big issue here. What is the first thing that I messaged you guys? Uh, the night the Tim Peel stuff happened. What is the first thing I messaged you? I don't remember. No. If I if I lost money on the Detroit Nashville game, oh yeah, I want my money back. I want every dollar, every cent. That's an illegitimate game. Mm-hmm. I bet on an illegitimate game. I lost money. You give it back. If I bet five hundred bucks and I lost it, you give it back. If I bet uh, on, you know, the over or I bet on the spread or I bet on anything, you're giving my fucking money back. And Elliot Friedman basically was talking about the gambling implications. So wavelengths um, on the broadcast. I think it was last night. The NHL is trying to get more and more into gambling. It's an enormous part of the entire business model of the Arizona Coyotes. We've learned recently through ownership, they want to get in arena betting. You can't have illegitimate games. And we've all known this has been going on. The the facts back it up, right? The numbers are there. To have concrete proof. To If you know the next penalties, if you know Tim Peels or whoever... Because you shout out to Tim Peel for being the first ref to ever do this. You know what I mean? He's just the one that got caught. He's the one who got caught. Um, But if you know that the the ref's watching you like a hawk, and and guys were tweeting about this, like it's normal, not understanding the point that they were making. They're like, all right, boys. Yeah, we got got three straight penalties uh, for us, which means they're going to be looking to call one against us. Which means you know that even up calls are a thing. You went to the locker room, talked about it, and adjusted your game because of the way the refs call it. Mm -hmm. And you have major media personalities, and we'll get to Joe, major media personalities going, well, it's affected, it's benefited your team too. And hurt them. The fuck? It's not good. What are you talking about? (laughs) What are you talking about? Okay, so you put your whistles away. It benefits uh, the dirtier teams, the greasier teams. You uh, use the whistles a lot. Oh, so I guess you want a lot of penalties. Well, that benefits the uh, speedier, more skilled teams. Hey, I have a wild idea, guys. Call the fucking game. 
the way it's supposed to be called. Now, sorry, we'll we get to Joe, Joe here. So Joe is coming on because he wrote an article 10 years ago for NBC on something that is not talked about nearly enough. And it is a court case in which the NHL had to get rid uh, or not had to get rid of an official. They fired an official. That official took the league to court and therefore uh, emails from Colin Campbell with the NHL were released to the public. And holy shit, did he say some things. Let's bring him on. Joe Yurton, well-known, die by the blade, the AP. Joe, we've known you for years. It's great to finally have you on the show. Honestly, we've been following you forever. Yeah, uh, it's, all, it's awesome to be with you guys. I mean, geez, I've been following you guys forever as well. So this is, this is great. At least a decade, uh, as, as we're about to find out. I, we've never brought someone on because of something they wrote 10 years ago. Right. And, and Joe, I mean, this the last 48 hours in the NHL have been pretty insane. This Tim Peel stuff has been very, very interesting. And before you were coming on for context, we were sort of setting up the issue of evening out calls. And this story that you wrote 10 years ago, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and this must be wild as a journalist. This is something that just doesn't happen <laughs> when, you're, when you're a podcaster. That, you know, such something a decade ago comes in and it's like, bam, the most relevant thing of the day. So can you tell us at the time, about the situation and what happened. Well, it's it's pretty wild because it with all of this stuff coming back around again with with this whole Peel situation and everybody's reaction either being a mix of yeah, this is what we've been talking about forever or oh my god, this is actually happening. And you know, it's one of those flash cut things to me and I'm like I've been saying guys, this is insane. Uh but back in the day, uh Tyler Dello who now works for the New Jersey Devils uh had uncovered a a pile of emails that were part of a part of a case in which the NHL was settling with a former referee uh in which Colin Campbell had reached out to Stephen Walcom who was is the head of referees still i'm not sure i don't know if he retired but he but he was for a while um and it involved him reaching out and complaining about players um you know calls made against uh, mark savard saying that yeah this guy's just a faker he's a diver and uh maybe maybe don't go so harsh on you know guys that uh that get in his way and also complaining about calls made against his son gregory which uh, a little bit little bit of a conflict of interest there so i I can't believe that wasn't the end of it right right then and there right then and and there that's the whole thing that drives me nuts going back and rereading that story which i wrote for uh pro hockey talk 10 years ago was that my basically my closing paragraph was like oh this is probably it for colin campbell and nope Nope. (laughs) it totally was not and when you're in you're in yeah and that's definitely that's definitely the way it is in the NHL is if you're in everybody's good graces, you're there until you want to leave. And, you know, let's face it, Tim Peel um, hasn't exactly been in great graces with the league. I mean, certainly him showing up at, uh, at Foley's in New York city with, with Greg Wyshynski and shooting, shooting the breeze and sh- doing shots probably didn't sit too well with them. And he wasn't a guy that, got uh, too many playoff assignments anyways. We certainly didn't see him get past the first round too much. Uh, if he did, he did, wonder- he did do a couple Stanley cups though. Did he not? I thought I, I thought I saw that was, am I wrong about that? Cause I did say that earlier, but I thought maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm not, 
totally sure on that. I know after the whole thing with Wyshynski happened, I was always keeping an eye on to see how far into the playoffs he would go. And usually he was on the cut list after the first round, but wow. um, that, that might've, you know, that might've been like a Stefan Auger type of thing where it was like, Hey, you've got a lot of bad publicity. It's time for you to go bye-bye uh, wow. kind of thing, which I think everybody's forgotten about Stefan Auger and what happened with Alex Burroughs ages ago, which is, which is a whole other thing where it was, Apparently OJ had a had a beef to grind with with Burroughs and Burroughs being Alex Burroughs said decided to not be quiet about it and called him out on it. And OJ was under the microscope for forever until he was kindly asked to retire, uh, which they let him do, which is kind of what happened to Tim Peel here. And yeah, I know. Right, Steve? Like this is it's a lot. It's funny how things work out. And, you know, the fact that Tim Peel wasn't fired, he was just not scheduled anymore. It was was a very Milton from office space kind of thing. Like, hey, we put your we put your desk in the basement and, you know, hey, if you're not getting a check, well, hey, that's fine. Is that because he knows where the bodies are buried? (laughs) <laughs> I think the referees would know where they're buried, but it's just a question of whether they report it or not. That's uh, that's the whole thing. So, you know. Well, so when I when I read your piece from ten years ago, so it's it's about a court case. An official was fired, and a wrongful dismissal, I think, yeah. is is what he was asking for. By simply being like, "Hey, we'll pay you not to ref in the NHL right now. You're not fired. Just go away." Mm-hmm. Is to me it seems like the NHL is trying to avoid going through that again with Tim Peel. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I, their move when these types of things happen is that they want it forgotten about as quickly as possible. And I don't blame them because when it involves officials and integrity of the game and the whole, the whole ball of wax that goes with that, uh, you don't want that to be an overhanging subject of discussion you don't want to be you don't want that to be the focus taking away from the games and the the problem there being that like yeah okay maybe in a lot of a lot of leagues and a lot of fans just might forget about it i mean you know NF, nfl fans certainly kind of forget about some things like you know people got mad about pass interference calls and everybody forgot that it involved the the saints and the and the rams a couple of years ago where the saints saints guys were getting mugged and then they were just like oh we'll just change the rules it's fine <laughs> or the tuck rule going way back when when they're just like uh yeah no it's fine it's uh, it's not a rule now um but in the nhl everybody remembers the stuff and and the hockey fans have memories like an elephant and they never forget and yeah i mean yeah, sure. You might forget about OJ and, and Burroughs because it's just it's just a blip considering all the nonsense that we see with with calls constantly. And there's always some kind of some kind of problem. And, you know, I, I found it hilarious that the first player to speak on it was Matt Duchesne, considering that offside reviews came into came into effect mostly because of a play that involved him in Nashville, of all places, uh, while he was with Colorado. And, you know, it's if it's not one thing, it's another. And if you're calling into the question, the integrity of the game, that's what gets everybody upset because, because now they got to, now they got to worry about gambling. Like gambling is a much bigger and legalized deal. Uh, in a lot of places, teams have deals with gambling outlets. The league has deals with, with a gambling outlet. So you can't go upsetting the money. And if you got referee questions, man, who's, who's going to want to spend money on it. Well, Joe, that was what we were sort of talking about um, coming into this because there were about, in the last, I would say, four days, there's about 20 games, and I can find maybe three that have penalty 
uh, differential of more than one. Mm-hmm. Most are tied or within one. And then there's a couple, there's one with San Jose got like seven penalties because they were just being, they were just not good. Um, and then a couple others, a Vegas game or whatever. But the chances in real life of two teams going head to head and having almost the same penalty differential and having it happen, I don't know how many, how many days there are this NHL season, but they're usually like 100 days of, or 140 or whatever the hell it is. There's a ton of days of NHL and almost all of them are within, a, within one or tied in terms of penalty differential. And we have teams with very different characteristics in this league. We, we brought up Boston, and, and Bruins fans are going to be pissed at me for bringing that up, but the Leafs have experienced Boston the most. That's why they're top of mind. They're a tougher team. They play a tougher game, and they know, they know literally how to manipulate the refs. They do a great job of it. That's how you win. That's part of it. But when you even out penalties, when you have a team like the Leafs, which they were a little bit softer, a little bit faster, uh, playing against the Boston, and the penalty differential is going to be the same, then you've eliminated what the Leafs are good at. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. wonder <laughs> how long the league can continue to do this without starting to actually call the game. Because when you do get gambling involved, gambling's bigger than the NHL, much yeah. bigger. Yeah. And you know what? I'll, I'll flash it back to 2006, 2007. And think about how the Anaheim Ducks were built that year. And they were basically built to take advantage of that fact. Um, you know, they, they ran a, you know, they ran a team out there with Chris Pronger as a captain who ran afoul of the law constantly during that playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Brad may out there who, you know, Hey, great leader at all, but he's a tough guy. Uh, you know, you get Corey Perry as a kid kind of running around out there, just, you know, cutting his teeth on being somebody that everybody grew to hate and just everybody involved with that team was, you know, typical Brian Burke, let's get nasty, truculence, you know, that whole thing. Like that team was built on basically taking advantage of of the referee saying, well, they can't call everything, just do whatever you can, we'll take care of it. And they got away with it constantly. Um, They got away with it in, I I think it was the conference final against Detroit. Uh, You know, they basically almost ended Dean McCammon's, I think it was Dean McCammon's career in Ottawa. Uh, There was just a brutal elbow and they were just kind of like... You got to do, you know, them that's hockey. That's that's toughness. And from that point on, it was basically just kind of like, well, you got to keep it even. No, you don't. <laughs> you can punish teams for breaking the rules all the time, and if they do it, well, that's their own fault. I don't care how much the bench screams about it. I don't care how much the coaches and the GMs get mad that that that's the case. If you break the rules, you should be punished. And the the, the sad part is is that everybody thinks of that 0506 year fresh out of the lockout, mm-hmm. and everybody says, well, if you call every penalty, it's all going to be gross like that. I was like. I don't know, man. I thought it was pretty fun. It was a <laughs> fun know? year. There's like eight penalties aside. It was great. great. <laughs> you know, and people were just like, oh, you can't have the whole game on the power play. Well, you can if you keep breaking the rules. Like that's They'll adjust. That's exactly. And teams did adjust and speed took over, skill took over. It was great. And then everybody was like, wow, the game's too fast. Guys are going to get hurt. And I was like, well, I don't know. Guys are going to get their heads taken off. Otherwise, that hurts more. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, it's always been about it's been about game management forever. And I mean, it goes back even before that. I mean, if you want to get back into the stone age days of the, of the, 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 the trap years and the, the, um, 
the uh, the obstruction years, like that was all based on that. That's why they let everything go. And um, you know, besides, you know, never mind my own insane conspiracy theories about why that happened. But um, but the fact was was that they were just like, we're not going to do this. Every team's doing it, so we're just going to let it be. And that's completely what game management is, and that's bad. What's the benefit? Like, why do they do this? What does I, how does the league benefit from this? Or how did uh, they before gambling got involved? They benefit because it keeps the games closer, ideally. Um, uh, and that's how they always want it. That's why the point system is still as broken as it is. It's the the fake idea that they're going to be able to have more teams involved in the playoff race because they have the, the point system the way it is. If you keep the penalties even, well, not one team's going to be able to have their power play run out there constantly and, and score goals at will because they're only going to have two or three or four opportunities compared to the other team getting the same chances. So they look at it as a way to just keep things balanced because that's, they always want balance. They don't want, they don't want teams to be over excelling and, and just running away with stuff because then it's just, it becomes one-sided in their view. And I don't know, man, I, I I'm getting kind of tired of seeing a lot of uh, bad teams at the bottom. And then just a, just a whole glom of very average teams in the middle and then maybe one or two that seem to exceed expectations. And that to me, it's, it, it's the whole race for parody and parody's bad parody. You, you're not allowing excellent teams to be, to excellent. be themselves. You're not allowing, you know, you're allowing bad teams to catch up with teams that they shouldn't even be in the same contest with. And, you know, I get it. You want to keep arenas filled. You want to do all that stuff, but it's such a drag. It's such a drag. To watch. And it happens. And it's literally every sport now with, with all this stuff and caps get blamed and all that, but really it's, it's this run to make everybody on the same par is just insane because some teams can just evaluate better. Some teams just have better talent. Let them be the better teams. Just let them excel. Mm-hmm. Joe, do you so, have any guess on what the NHL's next step is? Like, do they have all the referees on a Zoom call and tell them not to do these things? Or do they just kind of continue to try and bury the story so people stop talking about it? I, I think it's it's going to be business as normal. Um, you know, it's, you know, Tim Peel, I think, is just disliked, you know, for the most part. I mean, when you know a referee's name, it's not usually for a good reason. It's it's pretty rare when it is. I mean, not everybody can be uh, can be the guy out there just doing you know five minutes for fighting and just you know turning it into a little bit of a UFC <sighs> thing. But, but I mean, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's that sort of thing where if you know, like, if you go to a game, you know, and you hear Tim Peel announce before the game, what's your reaction? Are you just like, oh boy? Here we go. This is this is going to be some kind of this is going to be some kind of mayhem. Like that's that's how it is with that. So they're going to they're going to look at it as an aberration and say, you know, listen, we don't have a problem with our officiating. Everything is good. There's nothing to see here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I think that's that's the way they're going to treat it because it's the way it's always been treated. So that's that's how the NHL deals with fans whining, though. And that's yeah. how they dealt with it in 2011. Or 2010, whenever it was uh, you wrote that article. Uh, yeah. Because really, it was just a bunch of nerds. Let's be honest. It was a, it was a bunch of nerds like us yeah. uh, digging through these uh, documents that Tyler Dello dug up. And now he works for the Devils. I would mm-hmm. love to see their penalty differential since he got hired. <laughs> and I would love to see the Oilers penalty differential when he worked for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just got nerds going through their files and it makes a few blogs and wow, isn't this interesting? And the NHL responds, no, it's not. What happens then when the gambling companies go, fix your shit now? <laughs> I bet they do. Yeah. 
Uh, they 100% do. And I think we all have that to look forward to at some point. Um, you know, I look at like what, what's happened with, with TV in the United States, where all the Fox sports carriers became Bally's sports, you know, and, you know, they're not <laughs> Bally's isn't a broadcast network. They're a, they're a casino, like they're gambling. And now they, now they run TV stuff. So that's already a big part of it. And like I said, there's already sponsorship deals in place and, if the leagues get and the leagues getting a cut of the, the gambling money from from any of these places where where it's okay, like they're getting a cut, like you know even I know it's it's a competitor with you guys, but even the score jumping into this in a in a big way with gambling, like that's 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 a that's a whole that's a whole other thing where you know you're talking about a giant operation of people just saying, hey, this is going to make us a lot of money and it's going to make you money too, and let's face it, money talks. And the NHL might be dumb in a lot of ways, but they're not dumb when it comes to money, because when it means money in their pocket, they're going to do what it takes to make that better. The thing I wonder about, and it's, you know, to me, it starts with like doing even just basic injury updates instead of just being like, uh, yeah, upper body. Uh, I don't know. We'll see when he comes back <laughs> or, you know, lower body. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's week to week. Well, how many weeks, like how, you know, how soon are we talking about? You know, getting clarity on that stuff. I mean, NFL teams sometimes play loose and free with that. I mean, I think of Bill Belichick putting, you know, his entire offense on the list being, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, questionable for a week. And it's just kind of like, all right, you're just being you're just being a dick about it. So whatever, have fun. But um, but if you try to generate more interest and let's face it, degenerate interest is still interest. (laughs) And if you want gambling (laughs) money in there. You got to be truthful. You got to, you got to show that at least that there's some sort of faith in what you're doing. And, you know, listen, if they want it to be game managed balance, let everybody know it's going to be that way. If you're going to call the game by the rules. Okay, fine. But if, as long as it's clearly stated that like, this is just the way it's going to be instead of just wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, Oh no, we're officiating. (laughs) Right. You you know, you're not going to be able to get a lot as much money moving on hockey. Let's hockey's, tricky enough to bet anyways and if you're clouding it up with this kind of goofball stuff i mean especially if you're if you're doing prop bets on power plays and things like that like i don't know man like that's that's still cash on hand that's still cash that can be in your pocket and if you're just going to avoid it you're not going to see it and then people as soon as people stop caring about it man they bail and bettors are not going to stick around they don't have any patience for for any kind of nonsense when it comes to this stuff do you think the nhl's gone too far down one road with this game management stuff to to now turn back because if they do change now even if it's for money people are going to say well okay so that's what you were doing here's what i could see happening this year goes on the way it does Mm -hmm. you know the way you expect you know the rule book will change completely in the playoffs again and then when next season comes around, I think you're going to see some new directives and maybe the beginning of the season, you start seeing the calls being made a little bit different. And suddenly you're going to be like, wait a minute, this is a, I mean, these are the right calls, but it's a little weird. They're getting made so regularly. This is, this is fascinating um, because I could see them just kind of trying to play it off and just be like, no, 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 no. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then just come right back and say, Hey, look, things are different. This is a different season. We're going to pump things up. You know, we've got our ESPN deal. They don't want to see things kind of be all clouded. We got all this other stuff. Let's let's make sure we got things all squared away. I mean, think about think about the old crease rule back in '99. That whole you know, and 
I don't even, you know, I'm mentioning that. I mean, being in Buffalo, I oh, might, I might, I might get a cruise missile sent through my window. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I mean that whole year that, and the whole playoff and right up to the very end, they're like, Nope, this is the rule. This is the way it is. That's how it is. And then the next year, the rule was nuked completely. Like nope, never happened. Sorry. We know we did this for two years, but it, it never happened. So it, these things can change, but it's doing it mid season. The only guy that can make a midseason change is Sean Avery. And there that's, it is. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> oh, man. I wish he did it. I wish it was him. Shoot. Uh, Joe, uh, speaking of cruise missiles, the Buffalo Sabres season. Uh, and here's the, here's the funny part. The, the fact that they haven't won in 15 games, but it's not a losing streak. It's a winless streak because they lost a couple of games in overtime because, as you mentioned earlier, the NHL point system is broken for parity's sakes, but that's not even going to save the Sabres this time. They want to keep um, it close. What, what do you think <laughs> – what do you think is going to happen now that obviously the quarantine rule between the United States and Canada has changed? What do you think happens with the players that are dealt? Who do you think has gone and where do you think they're going? And then what happens with the Sabres going forward? What do you do I, with this team? I think it's time to dust off the uh, the old video of the, the fire sale, uh, the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres fire sale video that went viral. Uh, what was that, like eight years ago, nine years ago? I forget. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, um, I, I think all bets are on Taylor Hall going somewhere um uh, i would put money on any one of i mean i know you guys are very hot for him up in toronto and people are pointing at the lack of production and saying this like oh geez he's no good no he's really good it's just okay. the sabers are historically terrible this year so <laughs> um so he's he's got to go to some place where they need him i don't know if it's going to be the islanders uh that seems to make a lot of sense with lee out for the year uh, or Pittsburgh, maybe with Malkin being questionable, you know, for, you know, who knows how long, I mean, obviously, I mean, Toronto, just take everybody on, please just, you know, make it even funnier if the Leafs have to play in Buffalo in, in the, in the playoffs at right. some point, like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm all for chaos. So I really, if it means the Leafs in like the, in the Stanley cup semifinals and having to play in Buffalo, please, please make it happen. I want to laugh forever. I think it would be, I think it would be amazing. Um, Uh, Last, last thing with the Sabres, it's unfathomable how bad Rasmus Dahlin has been. And it's more unfathomable the idea of trading him. Um, what do you think the percentage is there? Like, cause surely a player with that kind of talent, first overall pick 2017, four years ago, for God's sake, surely he can be salvaged. You would hope so. And he, I think the Sabres are in a position where he has to be. Um, what I worry about is that it's going to turn into a Rasmus Ristolainen and uh, redux situation where you put the blame on the coaching and the situation so much, which, I personally do. I think Ristolainen fell into bad habits um, playing for playing under Ted Nolan. And then, you know, just kind of getting stuck in like, Hey, bang it off the glass and throw it out. Um, Playing 20 minutes a night on one of the worst teams ever in 14, 15, like that's no good. You can't have young guys like that who you're counting on to be, you know, a future, you know, top four defenseman. You can't have a guy like that play 20 plus minutes a night. They did. And I think in Darlene's case, everything that he did great his rookie year, they spent the entire Ralph Kruger spent the entire time trying to say, well, we're not going to turn him into Eric Carlson. We need to have him play defense. And I was like, I don't know. I think a guy with great possession numbers who gets 70 points a year is really good. So why not? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe lean into that a little bit more instead of just, you know, <laughs> Hey, throw your elbows around, hit some people, get bigger. Like, 
It's it's backwards. It's very backwards thinking. It's it's been around in Buffalo since like Phil Housley. Like I mean, granted they traded Housley for another Hall of Famer, so I don't think of that too bad. But I mean, they you know Brian Campbell they got tired of. I don't know. He turned out to be pretty good. He was he was all right. Andre Sakara got run out for the same reasons. He was pretty a pretty good. good player. You know, like just guys who who play offensive defense and don't get out and rough it up and get nasty in the corners just seems to make people get weary here. And I, for the life of me, I don't understand it, but, um, but yeah, Darlene, they cannot afford, they cannot afford to have that go sideways. And, you know, maybe Dan Girardi is going to help him out. I mean, we know what Girardi's career was. He's, you know, he was a tough guy. He blocked a ton of shots. He was a torts guy, you know, maybe he can help get his head around here in the meantime. But for me, Go hire a coach that you know can get it done. Um, you know, they've tried every version of, of a new coach. They went outside the box with Kruger, the new one up-and-comer with Housley, the Stanley Cup winner with Bilesma. They've done all this stuff. Go get go get freaking Bruce Boudreaux. Like, I think of what he did in Washington, and, you know, he pushed Mike Green to be a just, hey, listen, I know your D stinks. Just go and, just go and get a ton of points. I don't care about the defense. Just do it. And in Minnesota, I mean, he gets to run with Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon. Spurgeon became a pretty damn good defenseman under Boudreaux. Um, and so I just see all guys like that where I'm just kind of like, hey, this this guy's out there right there. Just go hire him. Just just bring him in right now. And instead of just kind of dawdling around and waiting for a college coach to become available or finding some sort of cheap cheap way to get through it. But Man, well, you I mean, cannot, you can't screw up on Darlene. You just can't let that go sideways. But Kruger's made is going to make three point seven five next year, part of his yep. deal. Mm-hmm. Can they afford to wrap seven million dollars up in coaching because Boudreaux's going to cost something like that? Yeah, I mean, they they've done it in the past when they fired guys and had to hire a new guy where they had a bunch of money tied up with coaches they had just fired for a year, for the next year or two. So okay, um, I mean, they should do it if they feel weary about doing it. It's a weird time to draw a line in the sand because if it goes really sideways next year, if you think about trading Darlene's bad, when Jack Eichel's no move clause kicks in after 22, 21, 22, you want to be Kevin Adams and being told, Hey, I want to leave. And here's the only teams I'm going to accept going to good luck. Yeah. Right. But you don't see Jack being uh, traded in the next, I don't know, in the, in this calendar year. No, I don't think okay. so. I, I think I think I think with Ralph being fired, this whole season just being a Murphy's Law situation where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I think that you kind of have to take a pass on it. I mean, the, the the COVID thing that happened with the Devils, like you know that they were doing okay up to that point. I mean, things weren't great, but like they at least won games. <laughs> yeah, you know they they basically had a hex put on them by by COVID, and they've been you know lost 15 straight since then. So, um, so I'm willing to give this year a pass, but I mean, clock's ticking as far as Jack's concerned. Like he's at some point you just get sick of it. and You want to go. You mentioned uh, college coaches briefly. There is Mm -hmm. Mike Babcock. Anybody's thought in the organization, like, is that that crossed anybody's mind? You bring in Mike Babcock and kind of straighten things out. No, I don't think so. I think, I think once Mike Babcock decided to go to Toronto instead of Buffalo a few years ago, uh, that, that, that basically sealed it with the, with the Pagulas. Uh, Pagulas have a long memory for that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I don't know for sure that they feel like they got slighted uh, by, by Mike, but I know that they are in preparations to get ready to announce him as the coach uh, until, you know, I think the story, the story, the way it went with Babcock was that his agent 
told him to go, Hey, talk to the Leafs one more time. Kind of like how Tavares work, but, mm. uh, but, but Hey, listen to the Leafs, see what they got to say and, and, and go from there. And um, obviously that that's how that, that changed out. But uh, I don't, I can't imagine they circle back. The Pagulas love to circle back to guys that they've interviewed in the past for positions, but I just cannot see them doing that with Babcock. Right. Joe. I mean, great to have you on the show. We're going to have to keep bringing you back because there's uh, the Sabres are unfortunately uh, in this case. So we're going to have to keep talking about it. I have a feeling that if any, anybody's going to make some noise at this very dead deadline, which is what we're thinking it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to have to get a little bit more insight on that. So, Joe Yearden, thanks so much for your time today, man. And it's great to finally have you on. Yeah, no, this is awesome, guys. It's a pleasure to talk with everybody. It's uh, it's sweet to finally bring it on. I'm glad I took a story I wrote 10 years ago to make it happen. That's, that's my favorite part of this. Well, we want to see you writing more now yeah. in 2021. And we will yes. include a, a link to that story, by the way, uh, in our uh, in our bio on YouTube for anybody that wants to check it out. Joe, Yurden, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Well, Joe was great. Uh, and uh, with that, we conclude this Tim Peels thing. I'm sure in 10 years, this will come up again. And we'll <laughs> be 10 years older talking about it again. And nothing will have changed. The NHL is broken, right? Yeah. Like, that's not yeah. how you should run a professional sports organization where your games are just rigged for parody. Like that's- the, problem, <laughs> the problem is that it's an echo chamber at the top. Yeah, they do a lot of things right. They do. At the top. Well, the media was everywhere a, by uh, Twitter. It was wild yesterday. The, the 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 amount of people going the game management's the right way. No, it fucking isn't. Uh, it's terrible. Um, well, and, and like, I, well, I, now I, they're not going to wear mics anymore. Ah, so they can get back to max match fixing in peace. Right. <laughs> or so we can cheat in secret. Like, okay. Like, and and by the way, so you. Everyone listening, you have reading homework. Uh, Joe Yurden's piece from 2010 or 11, we'll link to it. Also, Greg Wyshynski, 2015, when he was with Yahoo Sports. So he criticized Tim Peel for a long time. And magically, and this is the sort of thing that I feel like only Wish would do, they met up at a bar called Foley's and they got drinks together. And Tim Peel actually got in trouble for it. Um, but they, you know, they hashed it out. You know, Tim Peel was talking about, hey, listen, I know I screw up. This hurt my feelings. These mm-hmm. things I find funny, et cetera, et cetera. The, the Colin Campbell stuff, though, in the NBC piece from a decade ago, um, I, I can't let go of. And to me, it shows eras of the Internet. That story breaks today. We never see Colin Campbell again. He's fired, fired, so fired, so, so incredibly fired. But it happened back then. And like I told you, it's it was nerds. And if anybody brought it up, Steve, it would be cancel culture. Yes. It, it was just nerds. It was nerds. Like, nerds mm-hmm. don't care. This dude was, he was calling Mark Savard, who he had previously coached, a giant fake artist. He was uh, on more than one occasion emailing, complaining about penalties called on his son. Talking about, and, and there were some worse ones in there. Oh, this guy's complaining about calls. Assign him this ref and this ref. We'll see how he likes it. I'm pretty sure it was on more than one occasion throughout that article that I read of Joe's from Tyler Dello's down, now deleted website uh, because he works for, he 
previously worked for the Oilers. I think that's when he deleted it. And now he works for the Devils. You know, so he's intentionally talking. He's talking about intentionally sending refs to certain games to fuck with teams, telling the head of officiating so-and-so is a giant fake artist, telling the head of officiating, I don't appreciate the way my son is being officiated. That story breaks yesterday, March 24th, 2021. We never hear of him again. And it's a decade later, he's still here. So that to me is where the problem comes from. It comes from the top and Tim Peel is an enormous scapegoat and the unfortunate individual who, oh, they, of course they do. And is so unfortunate for him that it had to be him. There's already name brand recognition. The Stefan OJ thing, by the way. Man, I forgot the, about that. So what is yeah. that? Explain the OJ thing one more time, because this was crazy yeah. at the time, too. Yeah, you got to look it up. So you're, uh, Joe was talking about that. Basically what happened, it burrows. He like he like dove in a game or something that OJ officiated, or basically OJ watched a penalty that he called. He rewatched it, and he thought Burroughs made a fool of him. And there's footage of OJ skating up to him before the game. And they're having what looks like a decently animated discussion. And what Burroughs alleged after the game is OJ is like, uh, I saw what you did last game. You made a fool of me and I'm going to get you. And Burroughs took like four penalties. It was like three or four penalties. They were brutal, brutal. And by the way, the penalty that Peel ultimately called on Arvidsson the makeup call is stunning it's stunning like it's not if if you're looking for makeup calls right some refs if people talk about all oh, makeup calls they're part of the game they're part of the fabric so be. you're telling me calls that shit happen every single game on purpose i'm i'm not betting on hockey folks I, you're not getting my money yeah. You're, you're not, and I'm not talking about me, Steve, individually. I'm talking about people with actually deep pockets. And who hockey, are good at this? Hockey's already the one of the most difficult sports to bet on because of just the, uh, it's so hard, it's so difficult to predict because it's so even across the board and there's so much randomness. And then these things where you kind of know, hey, it's gonna, you don't know what's gonna happen each night. And like, it might be a hot goalie. It might be pe- too many penalties. And you just don't know. That's why it's not fun to bet on hockey. Just with the with games like football, you have you have these strategies and these teams and all of this history where it's like okay, you can get into this and you can see trends and patterns and people have all this all this um, numbers around the games and betting on football and hockey just doesn't have that and they they eventually they need to get to that point because of the amount of revenue that betting can drive to your sport. If they want to make up all this money lost in the pandemic, that's where it needs to go in the future because that's where sports is going. And people are not asking for much. Like people, okay, what do you want? You want them to put the whistles away? What do you want? You want them to call more penalties? Some people are even saying, we'll just call the rule book. My request is so much simpler than that. Do not fabricate calls for game management. That The penalty against Victor Arvidsson, was a, it's a fabricated call. It, first of all, was not tripping. No, <laughs> so uh, the tripping call, uh, it, it wasn't just bad though. If a ref fucks up, makes a mistake, gosh, gee willikers, 
Try not to make another one. Don't then exacerbate the problem by making it worse and calling another one. That was nonsense. Nonsense. So how often are refs then? So do refs have two modes in the regular season? They're looking to make up calls. And then in the playoffs, they just go on vacation. But in person, you ever go on an in-person vacation where you're just doing fuck all at work? Come on. Stopping games from getting out of hand. That was another argument, another bullshit argument that I saw. Refs are there to make sure games don't get out of hand. This was an early second period game on a, what day is On a Tuesday night between the Preds and the Red Wings, who are both very shit. What are you talking about? Adam, what did you say about the game earlier? Oh, it was a horseshit game anyway. No one cares. <laughs> Like, uh, really, it was yeah. a nothing game. What do you I manage, know they, guys? I know oh, they you know care, Let's manage like, loser one and loser two. This isn't this isn't uh, a case of a, like, six-nothing game that's getting chippy and guys get misconducts. It, that I don't have as much of a problem with. I do, because there's a part of me that's like, oh, kill each other. No. But, but yeah, you're right. You don't want to. you don't want to. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But like, also, I understand you don't No, these are these are assets to the league. You don't want people going down because of a six nothing game. I get that, too. Right. I want to get it out of hand. But like, I better never see prop bets on a on a scorecard on a betting card ever again for the NHL. Like, because if it's over under penalty minutes, that's a lie. Like, because you might just, you might make up a call and there's evidence that you might. So just you can't have that ever on an NHL betting card. Like, and if you want a game called a certain way. We know from Joe's article from a decade ago with Colin Campbell, it, all it takes is an email. Yeah. All it's, please call the game this way. Yeah. Call more penalties tonight. Mm-hmm. So you're rigging the system. Yes. And it's a yes. terrible look. And, you know, it's funny. The NBA had issues with officiating. We, I, there was actually a guy that like, went to Tim jail. Donaghy. Oh, did, he, did he go to jail? I, he did fix matches. Um, and then there was like a whole bunch of stuff that came out about the Lakers sending in, um, you know, a, a sizzle reel of Kobe Bryant fouls that weren't called. And then, you know, Kobe Bryant started getting every call go his way, which was an overcorrection. And now NBA officials have to post a public, here's why I did what I did every game. Yeah. And the reason for that is the integrity of the NBA game, because of money, matters more than ever because you can bet on NBA games. And I would be interested to see if any of those same partners that get that from the NBA start asking the NHL, hey, where's that? We want to see that. We want to see that, or otherwise we're just going to not. Yeah, there's a report post-game. Like, if if an NBA referee misses a call in the last two minutes of a game, there's a report released by the NBA that says, this referee missed this call in the last two minutes, and it should have been a foul here or whatever they missed. They, that's a, an official document that's released to the media. And the NHL needs that equivalent to hold these referees responsible so they're actually making the right calls. The NBA right. will go back and change the score. I've, I can't believe that. I, like, that was something I, I didn't even know they did it uh, until I was at a game one day. I'm like, it's, it was between quarters. I'm like, the score changed. Mm-hmm. What, what happened? Yeah, because like if they, if they checked, like, hey, his foot was on the line, they'll switch a three from a two, like from the second quarter, you know? And That'll what's happen. wrong with that? Nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
But this has been my contention. If you're going to have replays, if you're going to have these things, use them. Then, then, then be robotic about it. But if you're going to have NBA, if you're going to have referees just do it, and you're going to be willy nilly, then I guess you're accepting that there's human error. It's one or it's the other. Commit uh-huh. one way fully, or commit the other way fully. Do one chaos or order, which whatever one you want. But I just want to be able to know what the fuck I'm going to watch. Yeah, tennis is kind of tennis is in that in between space right now where they have the technology to um to call every single point just on like a button if it's sitting in front of the umpire he can know if a ball hit the line or it didn't hit the line and they haven't gone fully that way but like they, they soon should. will i was listening to a a podcast recently of the founder of reddit he's married to serena williams and he was sitting there watching uh, a tennis match and he's like i you guys have it right here this technology where you can just hey this ball is in instantaneously and eventually it's going to get to that level I don't understand what the holdup is. And yeah. you know, you know, the, the, here's the thing. Tennis invested in that. The NHL has not and will not invest in that. It doesn't benefit them because it calls them on their own bullshit. They'll tell on themselves. So they're not going to put millions of dollars because the, the NHL game is extremely difficult to call. I mean, you've got four officials for a reason, right? There's so many fucking rules. Yeah. And, and so, so I think, you know, I, I mean, like they've, they've talked about how you can have like a goal line You've got goal line cameras. You know when a goal when a puck goes in. You could have that on the blue line. You could have, you know, for, for offsides. You could have all that already. And then that and then it shuts the play down immediately because somebody's offside. You know that that could happen, but they're not going to invest in that. It's cheaper not to. And then then their bullshit's called. And I think I think the reality is until um, a betting company, I think Joe nailed it, until a betting company gets pissed off and walks away or here's the other thing that the nhl could face so the betting companies come on board with these teams right Mm -hmm. and they find no one fucking wants to bet (laughs) yeah what if they what if they try and the money's not there and and nobody's there yeah oh boy we got a problem we can't even get gamblers yeah (laughs) there was was uh, new jersey made a billion dollars in a month Last uh, from legal gambling, I think it was in the devil's. Month of- no, New Jersey, like the, oh, state. the state. Oh, the yeah, state. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Whoa. Holy their, shit. Their revenue is I guess trending. they're buyers at the deadline, eh? <laughs> yeah, the New Jersey. Jersey I was like, what's up? What's up? <laughs> I think it's the state of New Jersey where their revenues are reaching a billion dollars a month from legal gambling. A month? Yeah. Like, it's absurd. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my God. How Canadian do we sound right now? Thinking a billion's a lot of money. That's nothing. <laughs> That's, nothing no hey, i was New thinking Jersey about that area dollars. and i'm like oh wait that's shit all yeah <laughs> honestly legalized pod legalized gambling just just regulate it oh <laughs> keep it going adam what else <laughs> yeah slippery slope where does this end <laughs> anyway um there was one more thing uh matt duchene i thought yeah. it was very interesting that he was the only player I saw speak about this. There was Jason Demers as well. Tavares talked about it, but he Tavares did. Oh, Tavares did what everyone else did. So for some reason, every coach in the world got asked about it, and they all handled it like geniuses. DJ Smith, Paul Maurice, uh, Daryl Sutter, they all, in different words, praised officiating, which... No, no, don't shake your head, Adam. These guys are trying to win games. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. <laughs> Grease the wheel. <laughs> yeah. That's how you do it, man. Get the betterment of the game. Let's just try to win it for the now. 
Right. Yep. C- correct. That correct. That's their yep. job, man. That's their I, job. I, and you're right. You're absolutely right, Steve. No, and I understand the underlying problem there. They don't give a fuck. That's their job. Uh, I found it very interesting that Matt Duchesne was the guy because I have heard someone in hockey drop the infamous uh, B on him. The notorious bad guy. Bad guy. And what did he say? Matt Duchesne? Well, he's basically like, you. that can't happen. <laughs> he's right. There's what, nothing right. He is absolutely right. But that's not the way hockey thinks. Therefore, bad guy. So somebody called him a bad guy for that? No, but he's already got a reputation, I'm oh. saying, oh. as maybe an outside thinker bad guy. Now, like I don't a- know what else there is to it. I didn't... It, it wasn't very in depth, um, but like Dougie thought, Hamilton going to a museum. Oh, <laughs> bad guy! He skipped a team hangout to go to a museum. Sorry, but you're banished to the Hurricanes, Dougie. <laughs> <I'm telling laughs> go you, play with a good team. You don't fit in in Calgary. We're gonna be successful. <laughs> and we're sometime gonna get, we're gonna have a unusual amount of confrontation over post game pucks. <laughs> <laughs> In a single season. And we're we're four points behind Montreal. Oh, oh <laughs> not God. good, man. By the way, Calgary season. Hanging by a thread. Yeah. Hanging by a thread. That Speaking is of, sorry. Just sorry, go the, ahead. On on the penalty stuff, like is the little things in the game like slashing in front of the net? Like, is th- are those things ever going to get called out? No. You know, when because that's clearly a penalty. You know, you can cross check a guy in the back as long as he's standing in front of the goalie. Like those little things about hockey. Are we ever going to work towards fixing them where the game is just kind of fair? I think yes, but this this group's got to go. The th- the thing is, Jesse. Like people keep dragging this conversation <clears throat> into different areas. And every time that happens, there are so many more variables. So what are we going to crack down on cross checking in front of the net and slashing and all that? No, the task at hand is literally don't rig the game. <laughs> the task at hand <laughs> is don't. And that's what Tim Peel did. And oh, yeah. uh, I know he's not alone. That doesn't make it right, but that's literally what he did. He rigged the game. Now Nashville won to nothing thank goodness but he called a false penalty on victor arvidson and put the predators at an intentional disadvantage now maybe he did that because he didn't like the penalty that he called for nashville that they scored on maybe he didn't like that that's it that's an yes where the fucking thing that is an unintentional mistake was it even a mistake? That penalty call was a lot more legitimate than uh, Victor Arvidsson breathing. <laughs> he breathed on the guy. Guys, uh, my parents are divorced. I, I took my mom's car. She let me use it, and I blew it up. Uh, so to, to, to make <laughs> that right, to make that right, I blew up my dad's car, too. Literally. Like, it's just the dumbest. It's so dumb. This is dumb. This is dumb. Can we move on? I'm tired of how dumb this is. Uh, <laughs> And blew it up, yeah. Steve. Yeah. In a no, fight I, I like that. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm trying to look up like penalty differential uh, on the NHL website, which I got to tell you is a lot of fun. Um, oh, so they have. Yeah. If I had researched this, we could spend more time on it, but it's, it's all extremely even. 
It's extremely mm. even. And that's just not the way it should be. That's not the way it should be. Uh, you can't tell me that the last place, the last five teams are going to take the same amount of penalties as the top five. That's right. That's and right. <laughs> I saw someone go like, the only player who should be happy about this is Connor McDavid. <laughs> and <laughs> Why is that? Well, he's on a 144-point pace over 82 games. And what's amazing about that is it should be more. <laughs> it should be like, <laughs> he should honestly be on like a 200-point pace. The, um, Oilers, he, the Oilers could draw a penalty every shift he's out there. Then the question will be, well, do you want that? And uh, no, but like there's rules, man. Like, be better like i don't know what to tell you oh so you oh okay because we don't want to see the entire game played on the power play you can just do whatever you want to Connor mcdavid is what right. you're telling me right like a child right like, I, i'm sorry you're a child that that's that does not that is not adult thinking oh god it's we're not done with this i don't care if everyone else is done with this i'm not letting this go i'm gonna be a dog and a bone here let's uh do the press conference the presser Conference. So you want? Let's do Lowry first, and then Adam forgot to do his thing. I did. I forgot to do research, so we're doing that Monday. Yay! All right, cool. No, so go to your car, uh-huh. research it yeah. for four minutes. <laughs> do it the proper way. No, I want to make sure I get it right. I haven't had time. It's been a busy week. Okay. Yeah, because we teased Adam's special history corner uh, for this episode, and uh, Adam forgot, so we're not doing it now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Steve, I was going to do a zoo corner, but I don't, I don't know if the people want it. No. Well, I got I got so many tweets like well, I don't know. I was looking forward to your zoo story. Like <laughs> did, well, did you get a lot are. of your friends are dicks? Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> it's weird that they had that perception. Like, what do you think might have caused that? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Nothing at all. No. Okay. Wait, are you giving me zoo corner as a makeup call? Uh, I was going to, but we're running out of time. So I want to do Lowry first. And then next episode, we'll do History Corner and Zoo Corner. Oh, God. Wow. Zoo Corner. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. I'll get, hey. my, I'll get my allergy meds ready because we're going to get up and close and personal with Steve, the zoo guy. <laughs> hey, you know who's a raptor? Kyle Lowry. Now, okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And this has got to be, we got to be quick here because we are running out of time. Like, we're super tight. Uh, I know, listen, I was sad that Kyle Lowry is going to be traded, but this is a 35-year-old. Um, and the Raptors clearly got low-balled because I don't think the, what was the offer? It was from the Heat wasn't very good, and the offer from uh, well, the Sixers wasn't very good, and they ended up trading for someone else. And no, and I don't know why the Lakers were ever in it because they don't have enough pieces to give away. Leverage. Like, I don't want KCP in a, in a deal for Lowry. That's not, it's not going to be worth it. So, so, you know, so besides telling the league, you're not going to lowball me, basically. No. But then do they have to resign him now? Well, they were able to recoup, what was it, a second for Terrence Davis, a second for Matt Thomas, and who did they get for Norman uh, Powell again? Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. And I and uh, there, was, there was another player. Yeah. There was a guy. Rodney Hood, I think it was. So they did get, they recouped some assets. I'm looking at Shams uh, saying... Uh, Victor Oladipo, so obviously the silver medal here from Miami. Houston traded Victor Oladipo to Miami for Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a draft swap. 
and I'm looking at that going brr, 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 like yeah. no. The uh, Heat were probably I like, you know, Kelly Olynyk's Canadian. This would be popular. <laughs> they would. You, they uh, would. No. Uh, I don't. I don't want that for Kyle Lowry. No. Like, I'm not. You're not. You're not going to trade him for nothing. Like that. I think Masai did the right thing because, like, from the Heat, you want Duncan Robinson a bunch of picks, or Tyler Hero a bunch of picks, or those two guys, and then no picks. But like, if you keep the best player in franchise history for the rest of the season, maybe he comes back on like I don't know hometown discount, but I think not. Probably goes signs with Seventy Sixers, his actual hometown. But like, you don't you don't give away Lowry for nothing. It looks bad on Masai if he does that. Now I, I got to imagine if Lowry wanted out, he'd be out right now. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he does. I think that I think the thing is is that the Raptors are not in the position that say the Leafs were in 14-15 when they had to sell veterans because they needed to reset because they sucked. The Raptors have had a bad year, but this is inherently a pretty good team that's not a whole lot different from last year. The only difference is they're playing in a hotel in Tampa and they don't have their home fan support and they're not at home and like you know like it don't don't kid yourself. The, it's not been a fun season. It's no. depressing as hell. I don't think they're this bad. I don't don't think think so either. And I think the Raptors brass knows they're not. So they're, they're not in a fire sale position. So why do it? Yeah. Uh, going into the all-star break, they were playing really well. They were, I think they got up to, I think the fifth seed, fourth seed in the conference. Like this was a team that was on a roll and then it fell off a cliff, but, and you don't want to blame the pandemic on everything that happened, but it's also an excuse. It's a very legitimate (laughs) reason for all of their troubles. A bunch of them got COVID. The coaching staff was out for a while. Fred said COVID just, it destroyed his body for that week and he wouldn't wish it on any like it was mm-hmm. it's been a terrible experience when you're not in your hometown you're, you haven't seen anybody from like your neighborhood where you've been living for the past couple of years in toronto you it's 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 an excuse that you have to be like okay i understand yeah hunter it, it affects everybody so yeah um and you know what the reality is they're only 11th they could make it they could still you, go on a run and make it i don't want to see the raptors in this in the play-in tournament like, I don't want to see that because like, they, <laughs> they could. Uh, but yeah, they're one they're one seat away from getting into that little thing. But I don't want to watch that. I'd rather they bottomed <laughs> out or got up to like a six seed. Got a delicious first round draft pick out of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. No, but it's OK. Those seconds, Masai is going to get the best player in the draft. Mm-hmm. That's how this works. <laughs> yeah. He'll draft them from his Blackberry. Yo, forget great. Forget Masai. Or sorry, forget Kyle. They got to resign Masai. That's still? A, that's a good point. Yeah. He I has not they been did. resigned. No, he doesn't have a deal for uh next year. Mm-hmm. But as Uh-oh. Jeff Blair likes to say, this is a guy that could run for president, literally. So he's one of those. If you meet Masai, and I've interviewed him and met him a couple times, uh, there's a presence about that man that is just different. There are some people that are just on a different level, and he's humming on a different frequency. Um, so I, I would suspect that there's more than just basketball open to Masai Ujiri. Mm-hmm. And he may oh want to take advantage of that, which would be really sad. But yeah. But also very good. Yeah, for, for him. him and for the world. <laughs> As a Raptors uh, fan, you're like, no, I'm sad. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> how so anyway, would you guys, if, if Kyle Lowry this offseason, how would the two of you feel if he walked away in free agency? Fine. He's done. What does he owe us? He owes us nothing. Basketball's well, mm, I was about to say, yeah, but then it opens up the cap space. But no, if you traded him, you'd have that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, realistically, 
this probably isn't the best thing for the organization. Um, but we, we too often forget the human aspect of it all. And it, you know, I, I've brought this up a few times, what uh, Elliot Friedman was talking about with the playoff picture uh, last week, like the Canucks, should they be sellers? Probably. But they're one of the hottest teams in the, in the league and country right now. Mm-hmm. What message does it send to sell off a bunch of guys with your best player out, by the way, and you're on a roll and might actually make it? What about the Blue Jackets? What about the Kings? What about, like, all those teams should maybe try to recoup assets for certain guys. It sends a bad message to the team and to the fan base when you're actually competitive and you pull the shoot, unless it's a situation like the Blues, where you're like, uh, you know, the Blues a few years ago, where they're like, we're not good enough, we're going to retool, and hey, look at that, we won the Stanley Cup like two years later, or the Rangers who announced a rebuild. Mm-hmm. I right. think uh, I think Elliot's I, I think Elliot's right in the point that he's making, but it's the wrong view to have. You know, I think the, the Raptors have a so pretty good young players to build around. So do the Canucks, but the Canucks are capped the fuck out and they're not going to get better until they start managing that. Um, and yeah, okay, so they've been good for three weeks. Who fucking cares? The point is the whole season. Well, there's also... Uh, like are there, like oh, three weeks left? The, sh- the Flames who are playing like shit. Come on. <laughs> no, not anymore. Not anymore. But, Let me check. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Are they? I thought the Canucks no, were ahead Flames of the No, it's Flames are fifth, man. No. Oh, am I wrong? Yes, you are. Motherf- oh. Well, okay, in points percentage, the Flames are above them. Uh, but the Canucks have 35 points. The Flames have 33. Canucks yeah. have played three more games. So that's sort of a big thing. That's a big detail. It is a big detail, but, like, get there. And the Flames... Uh, Flames will fuck it up for sure. But they yeah, have been. <laughs> they have been fucking it up. Man, Vancouver, come on. <laughs> it, the, the, the points make what the standings we, look a lot God, closer. The self-delusion sometimes is crazy. It's crazy coming <laughs> out of that city. It's you insane. Can, you can that still... Man, that you can, management group, as, the, that's crazy. That's crazy. If they you think can that. still do all the things people are asking you to do. You can still trade all those players. But you have three weeks to evaluate. Uh-huh. And if they and if they if this run continues, why would they ruin it? No, you know oh, what? They've lost. They're gonna go five hundred the whole way and go. We're hot. We're fucking hot. Look at us. Everything that Maybe. they do now, if they don't lose eighty games in a row like they did at the beginning of the season against Montreal, is gonna look good. It's hilarious that they're two points back of that very same team. <laughs> With in six more games. Yeah. 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 Montreal's played 31 games. Vancouver's 37. Oh, yeah. You got a chance. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah. You're right. Man, Calgary. I was, I was tweeting about it last night. Uh, if they pull the shoot and they decide they're out of it, there's, there's some tasty parts I'd like to pick oh, yeah. at. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Big save, Dave, is a leaf. Let's go. Let's I have go. a feeling the deadline's going to be dead. Yep. Like, I mean, it's usually sort of dead anyway. Yeah. More like the deadline. Am I right? You <laughs> know what? Okay. They don't make a – the federal government doesn't make a decision that affects the border. 
without someone asking them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, can you make quarantine a week instead of two? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a fairly large decision, and I got to imagine uh, someone in Canada was in someone in the government's ear about that. I wonder if Kyle Dubas. I mean, Kyle Dubas knows the, the Arkells. Yeah. All of the NHL teams. Yeah, and Gary Batman himself. Like, I'm sure he made that call. Yeah. No. It was Dubas <laughs> called the Arkells, who called Trudeau. Who mm-hmm. called Gary, uh, Jerry D. Mm-hmm. Who called Jerry D. Yeah. <laughs> and he made the decision. Mm. There you go. He yeah, hosts the Canadian Family Feud. He has that kind of pull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, right. Jerry probably does. Yes, Americans, there is a Canadian Family Feud. It's good. It's good. It is good. I like it. Jerry's great. I love Jerry. Anyway, listen, we got to wrap it up, but uh, we will be back on Monday. Steve Zoo Corner, My History Corner, and a whole bunch of well-managed, even penalty hockey games in between. So excited. Aren't you? There's, there's going to be – I think we're in for a week of absolute pants shitting by uh, NHL officials. Doubtful. everything's gonna go on the same nothing's changing no refs never take anything personally you're right (laughs) the steve dangle podcast follow the guys on twitter at steve underscore dangle at adam w-y-l-d-e and at jesse blake connection complete